Joy, for Christ is born, the babe, the son of Mary. We thank you, God, as we celebrate the birth of the promised Messiah, the Savior, Jesus. And help us this day to comprehend the significance of that birth for our own lives as we think about what really matters. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, grace to you and peace from the Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And an almost happy new year. We are just about there, aren't we? Eleven years ago in 2007, a movie came out in the theaters starring Morgan Freeman and Jack Nicholson entitled The Bucket List. Maybe you saw the film about two elderly gentlemen who had terminal illnesses and they're in the hospital and they're talking about what they wanted to do in life and they decide to leave the hospital and venture off in order to do things that they want to do before they kick the bucket, before they die. And thus, the bucket list. Things to do before you die. As we're on the uh, threshold of a new year and we mark the passage of time, we're cognizant of how quickly these years seem to come and go. I don't know, the older I get, the faster they seem to be going. I think Albert Einstein's theory was true that time is speeding up. What do you think? They seem to go so quickly. But this morning I'm asking you the question, what's on your bucket list? What's on your bucket list? What do you want to do, be sure to do, before you die? As I think about that, a number of things come to mind. I would like to get to Israel. I'd like to get to the places that the Bible talks about, Israel and Greece and Turkey and Egypt. What's on your bucket list? And I'm actually going to ask you to think of one thing, one thing on your bucket list, one thing you want to be sure and do before you kick the bucket. I'm going to ask you right now to stand up and tell somebody what your one thing is. Go ahead, stand up. Tell somebody one thing you want to be sure and do before you die. All right, I'm going to walk around and just listen to some of these conversations. What did you come up with, Nate? <laughs> Wouldn't have a seat. Thanks for letting me indulge that. I just I heard a lot of interesting things. By the way, My wife and I are planning to lead a tour to Israel in 2020, so if you are interested, that is something we're planning to do. We want to get that checked off of our bucket list. What's on yours? In today's gospel lesson from Luke 2, if you were listening a moment ago, we heard about this man named Simeon. And in that story, we learn what was on Simeon's bucket list. 
Listen to these verses again. See if you can figure it out. Luke says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah, or Christ in Greek. The item on Simeon's bucket list, that he would see the promised Messiah of Israel with his own eyes. He had been told by the Holy Spirit that he would have that opportunity. Well, one day, as we heard in, the, in Luke 2, Joseph and Mary took their newborn son to the temple in Jerusalem to consecrate him to the Lord. And Joseph and Mary were simply following the practice that the Lord had commanded to Moses centuries earlier that we heard about in that first reading from Exodus. God gave them the command to consecrate their firstborn sons and male animals to the Lord. And this took place right after the Exodus, right after God had led his people out of slavery from Egypt. And he told them, consecrate the firstborn male, human, and animal to the Lord. It was done in recognition of and thankfulness for God having delivered his people out of slavery. Remember, the people of Israel had been slaves for 450 years in Egypt. And then God did the great Passover event. He instructed his people to put the blood of a lamb on their door frames. And wherever there was the blood of the lamb, the angel of the Lord passed over those houses and spared their lives. But where there was no blood of the lamb, indicating there was no faith, the firstborns were killed. God spared his people, saved them out of slavery, led them out of Egypt, and brought them to the promised land eventually. And so Joseph and Mary brought their firstborn to the temple to be consecrated, and they also brought along the appropriate sacrifice. It would be either two doves or two young pigeons, Luke tells us. Well, old man Simeon is there in the temple area. He's, he's moved by the Spirit to go into the temple courts. And when Simeon saw Mary and Joseph and their little baby boy, he approached them, he took the child in his arms, and he praised God that now he had seen the Savior. He praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. You may now dismiss your servant in peace. Those of you who are familiar with the traditional Lutheran liturgy know that in, in the communion liturgy, there's a portion of the liturgy that uses Simeon's words, Lord, you now dismiss your servant in peace. It's known as the nunc dimittis in Latin. Now dismiss is what that means. Now dismiss. Simeon said, Lord, you now dismiss your servant in peace. In other words, Simeon is saying, Lord, I can die in peace now because my bucket list is complete. I have seen the promised Savior. What a wonderful experience. And his bucket list centered where it should be centered, 
on Jesus himself. What also becomes pretty clear is that Simeon had a true understanding of the purpose of the Messiah coming into the world. That he understood that the Messiah was coming to be the Savior who would suffer and eventually die for the people. It comes out in uh, his conversation with Mary and Joseph. Listen again from Luke 2. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too, he said to Mary. A sword will pierce your own soul. Simeon was communicating to Mary that this child, the Messiah, would be the kind of Messiah that prophets like Isaiah foretold. He would be a suffering servant Messiah, one who would die for the people. Now, a little bit of background, I think, is helpful to fully understand this text. The context, the historical context is important. You need to understand that most of the people in Simeon's day had a distorted view of what the Messiah was going to be like when he arrived. Most of the people of Simeon's day and Jesus' day were expecting the kind of Messiah who would be a powerful earthly warrior king, a political king, who would come in and throw the Romans out of their country. You see, you need to understand that for some 400 years, the land of Israel had been controlled by foreign rulers. And the people of Israel were sick of it. And by the time of Simeon's day, most of the people wanted a Messiah, you see, who would be this warrior king like David, who would throw the foreigners out and reestablish Israel as a powerful political nation. That's what they wanted in Messiah. But that's not what Jesus came to be. That's not what the prophets of old foretold Messiah to be. Most of the people didn't get it. Simeon did. Because Simeon based his expectations about Messiah on the word of God itself, on the prophecies and the promises in the scriptures. And he was familiar with the prophecies about the Messiah, including these words from Isaiah. And keep in mind, Isaiah is speaking these words 700 years before Jesus is even born. He speaks them as if they've already happened. Listen to what he said about the Messiah. He said, He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. 
We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. That, my friends, is a picture of the true Messiah. That is a picture of Jesus. And Simeon knew it. Unlike so many of his fellow countrymen and women, Simeon knew it. You know, if you think about it, isn't it utterly amazing to consider that number one on Jesus' own bucket list was to suffer the wrath of God in your place and mine. That was number one on Jesus' bucket list. I know we're still in the Christmas season, but friends, we need to realize that Christmas is directly connected to Good Friday and Easter because the Savior was born in Bethlehem precisely to grow up to be the one who would take the punishment that we all deserve for our sins, our failings, our self-centeredness. And he did it intentionally out of love for you. I like the way the writer to the Hebrews uh, words these thoughts. Hebrews 12 verse 2. He says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I don't know, when I think about what Jesus went through, the first word that to pop into my head about his suffering, his dying was not the word joy. And yet he counted it joy to go through that for you and me. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Jesus found his greatest joy in dying for you knowing that you would then have the joy of living eternally with him. What an amazing act of love on his part. And that was number one on his bucket list, the joy of giving his life for you that you might have life with him forever through faith in Jesus. Now, there was another person at the temple that day who was also waiting for the promised Messiah to come and redeem his people. And this was an elderly woman by the name of Anna. Luke tells us that Anna was a prophetess. That is, she received messages from God and proclaimed those messages to the people. She, many years earlier, had been married, but she and her husband were married only seven years when he died. And so she was widowed from that point forward until now she's 84 years old, Luke tells us that she worshiped at the temple day and night, fasting and praying. And when this elderly woman, Anna, saw baby Jesus, she began praising and thanking God. For she too, like Simeon, understood who the true Messiah really was. She had a right understanding about the promised Messiah. And she also recognized that Isaiah's words that we're all familiar with, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, 
she understood that those words applied to this child that was now in front of her. And her response was to praise God. Simeon and Anna each considered their greatest joy in life to be seeing and knowing the promised Savior. I love this painting by Rembrandt. It shows Anna in the background, Simeon holding baby Jesus with Mary and Joseph there. But the light that Rembrandt shines is on the baby, on Jesus, where it should be. For he's the center of the whole story. He's the center of our faith. He is the central reason that we have hope. He came to be the Savior. So let me ask you this question this morning on this December 30th the end of a year. Is knowing Jesus as your Savior number one on your bucket list? Is knowing Jesus as your Savior number one on your bucket list? And I have to ask, is there anything that could possibly be more important than that than to have Jesus as your Savior for eternal life? You know, the end of a year and the passage of time afford us the opportunity to reconsider what really matters, to reconsider what is of greatest importance in life, what really matters and what really does not matter at all. One guy who in the prime of his life really thought he had it all was a man named Saul. And he was very proud of his pedigree. He bragged about the fact that he was a true son of Israel, circumcised on the eighth day. He was of the tribe of Benjamin, which was to be coveted. He called himself a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee, that is one devoted to the faith and very zealous for the law, proud of his legalistic righteousness. And then Saul met Jesus and his life changed and his priorities changed and what became really important far outshined the things that really didn't matter. Saul, who would go by his Greek name Paul, wrote these words to the Christians in the town of Philippi and listen to how his priorities have now changed. Near the end of his life, he writes, I consider everything, all those things that I just listed, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. In other words, the gift of being called right in God's eyes. And then he says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Paul's priorities were completely changed They were centered on Jesus. His number one priority in life was knowing Christ more and more personally. As we look ahead at this new year of 
2019. No doubt many resolutions are going to be made. Hopefully most of them kept, probably most of them not kept. But my New Year prayer for all of us is that priority number one will be for each of us knowing Jesus more and more personally. Next Sunday, we're going to begin this new sermon series called Who is Jesus? And the focus is not just knowing about Jesus. Rather, it's knowing him, believing in him, and following him every day. May that be our consecration to Jesus in the new year. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that out of amazing love, you came down into this world in the person of your son, our savior, Jesus the Messiah, and gave your life that we might have eternal life. Lord, help us to have no more important thing on our bucket list than to know Christ and to know him more and more personally every day. In his name we pray, amen. May the peace of God which passes human understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus consecrated to him. Amen.